Welcome to Illicit Liaisons, where every Tuesday we talk about the good, the bad, and the naughty of romance fiction. I am Jenna Hart, your host. I am an author and avid reader of romance, and I'm also the owner of SwoonworthyHEA.com, the online community where hopeless romantics like me can come together to talk about their favorite romance books. Now at SwoonworthyHEA.com, you can join and create groups around your favorite authors or books or tropes. You can start your own blog, and nearly all the activity you do on the site will earn you entries into our monthly giveaways. And if you are an author, you can come mingle with romance readers. You can start your own fan or advanced reader group. You can even create an author blog. And it's free to join. So come on by to swoonworthyhea.com and start talking with other romance fanatics about your favorite romance fiction. Now, I do have a couple of news items I want to cover before I get to today's topic. And the first is a big apology for taking so long to put out my next episode. It's not a good thing to start a podcast and get several episodes posted and then have none for a while. But I did have a family situation that came up that required me to travel and I had to be away from home um, for some time. And the, the first time I had to go, it was kind of a quick, uh, I had to pack and go pretty quickly. So I didn't have everything I needed for my work. And I was gone just over a week. So I missed a podcast or two for that. Then I had to go again. And the second time I tried to pack everything I needed. But it's just not easy to record a podcast when you're not in your own space. um, And there's people kind of all around and I'm having to kind of check on things. So I have missed a couple of weeks and I'm sorry about that. I'm hoping things are settled down now and that will be, I'll be able to have a regular schedule for you again. I did in the month of November run a romance writing challenge and that is has uh, run through and completed and a few people have done it, but I am continuing to leave it up. So if you are interested in writing a romance and particularly if you want to challenge yourself to write a romance in 30 days, I encourage you to go to write with heart and that is heart as in my name, H-A-R-T-E dot com. And you just need to fill in your name and your email. The challenge is free. The first five days is all about putting the foundation of your romance into place. And you ha- there's several kind of planners and downloads for that. And then at that point, you start the 30 day challenge to write a 50 or 60,000 word romance. Each day you get a prompt or tip or some sort of motivation to keep you going uh, during the 30 days. So if you've ever thought about writing a romance, uh, I encourage you to check that out. Again, it's writewithheart.com. And again, the heart is my name, H-A-R-T-E. 
Uh, and finally, over at swoonworthyhea.com, the community is slowly but surely growing, and I hope that you will stop by and join in. Again, you can create groups around your favorite types of romance or your favorite authors, your favorite book. Uh, you have a profile where you can share your own information. You can start a book blog or a blog around your favorite author or series or trope. Uh, so please visit swoonworthyhea.com. I just uh, gave away November's uh, giveaway. And if you want to know what will be given away in December, uh, just visit swoonworthyhea.com and all the information is there for you. So that's it for news and updates. When I was planning for my next podcast, I do have several that I wanted to do, that I will do in the next coming weeks. But an idea I had was to do some old school romance topics. Today with ebooks and uh, indie publishing, there are so many great romance authors out there. And when I uh, watch booktubers, or go to uh, the other podcasts that are done around romance, a lot of them are oriented towards uh, the new releases, which makes sense because the idea is you've already read the old stuff. You want to know what the new stuff is. Um, and a lot of them, a, a lot of the readers I'm running into are, are trending towards some of the newer, in many cases, some of the spicier types of romances out there. And these old school authors, uh, you know, uh, for young romance readers might be considered um, too old, too staid, uh, you know, things like that. They may not be interested in them. Also, because they are with the big five publishers still, their books tend to be a little bit more expensive. You know, if you get their hardback, you're looking at $25, even though the ebook is going to be $14 or $15. Um, so I thought it might be fun to kind of do some throwback episodes talking about some of the old school romances and even some of their old school romance books, because uh, many of these, they're still writing, they're still producing. A matter of fact, the one I'm doing today has two new books on the shelf. So anyways, I just thought it'd be fun if you've never read any of the old school authors. Um, I'll be mentioning some of the, the older books and you might want to check them out. Or not. Um, I thought I would do today the queen of the old school romance, uh, Nora Roberts. Now, I know she's not the first romance um, author. I haven't read really authors that came before her, uh, the Barbara Cartlands, uh, the Bodice Rippers and all that. So I can't really speak to them. And if you uh, can, and you like some authors that came before her, uh, please visit swoonworthyhea.com and click on the illicit liaisons tab for this podcast and find this episode and let me know in the comments below. But I went with Nora because she's probably the most well-known a romance author and um, she has a lot of accolades behind her. Uh, so if you were going to read an old school author, she might be one to check out if you haven't. First of all, she's written over 200 books and she has at least four books, four new books a year that come out. That's not including reprints that come out. She was the first author to be inducted into the writer, uh, the Romance Writers of America Hall of Fame. 
Um, she, starting in about um, 2011, or as of 2011, which, you know, was actually a while ago, her novels spent 861 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, and over 176 of those were in the number one spot. And one of the challenges I had in kind of going back and looking at where Nora Roberts is as of today, the end of 2020, is it you know, I can find a lot of articles and things written around 2015, several years ago, but it's almost like people have given up trying to keep track on her because she is so prolific. Just know that when her books come out, they tend to sell well. Um, almost all of them since about 1999 have been on the New York Times bestseller list. Many of them have debuted in the number one spot. She also won the Romance Writers uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, and the award was actually named after her in 2008. She was the third author to sell more than a million Kindle books. And in the last 30 years, an average of 27 Nora Roberts books have sold every minute. And that stat, again, is probably a couple of years old, so could be more, could be less. Still, pretty significant number of books are sold by her in uh, fairly often. Now, the books I have selected of hers on this list are all 20 to 25 years old, which is not to say I haven't read any of her recent books because I have. Matter of fact, back in March, I read Shelter in Place because it just seemed apropos uh, since we were closed down in the middle of a pandemic to read something called Shelter in Place. That book was actually a pretty tough book. Uh, my sense is that over the last uh, year or so, she has under her Nora Roberts writing really become a little bit more grittier in terms of some of the, the topics that she is covering. Um, and that book definitely was a tough topping, uh, topic. It was, um, uh, it starts out with a, a mass shooting in a mall. So pretty serious stuff. There are also in these books, many of them I haven't gone back to reread. Uh, you know, when you read a book, there's certain elements that stick out that you remember that you love. Uh, but there's other aspects that maybe I don't remember that might make these books seem dated. Just know that because these books are 20 to 25 years old, you know, there might be things that seem dated or maybe an author wouldn't write about uh, today. I do know in Nora under her in death books, there are things that happen in her in death books. Uh, th some of those early books that I don't think uh, would happen today. I, I don't think she would write about that today. I don't know. I've never talked to her, but Anyway, um, so just so you know, these books are old. Uh, they are going to be representative of the time that they were produced. Yet I, I did enjoy them. I, I picked them partly because they were books that got me started reading the romance genre, or there was something about them that really stuck out to me that I enjoyed. Now, I cannot remember the first Nora Roberts book that I, I read. I'm not sure if it was The Return of Rafe McCade or The Reef, but I went ahead and put both of them on, my, on this list. And I decided to start with The Return of Rafe McCade, which is a four book brother series. Now, 
as a ghostwriter, my clients have me write a lot of four brother series. So if you like reading about four brothers, you might like the McCade brothers. I liked all the McCade books, but The Return of Rafe McCade, as far as I'm concerned, was the best of that series. It is the first one. It came out in 1995. And Rafe is the oldest brother who left their small Maryland town. He had a reputation for being a bad boy. And in fact, one of the things about this book, again, that I think maybe wouldn't happen today is he and his brothers, although they are better behaved now, a little bit more respectable now, they there is a rough rawness to them. And in fact, I think in one of the books, two of them actually do kind of get into a physical altercation. So there is sort of that uh, edge to them. Uh, that these were four boys that um, they grew up in a home that, if I remember correctly, was loving, but maybe just didn't have parents that could control uh, their wild ways. Rafe has returned home after about 10 years. He's now successful, but people still kind of look at him sideways. Um, and he's bought this big old home that he is planning to restore into an inn or a bed and breakfast. This home does have a ghost in it. So there is that kind of paranormal element to it. And in fact, I think this book was mentioned on my paranormal episode. And in, and um, in fact, the two young ladies, at least one of them had read it as well, which I was surprised because I'm, I'm pretty sure she wasn't born when it came out. Reagan is new to town. She owns the antique store, but she is working with him to help him restore this home. Now, like most Nora Roberts female protagonists, Reagan is a strong and uh, outgoing woman. And while, of course, there's sparks flying between her and Rafe, she's not so sure he's the type of material to commit to in the long haul. Uh, but Rafe, you know, he's older, wiser, and much more interested now in, in making roots. So he's trying to convince her. But he does still have kind of that raw edge about him. He still has difficulty with feelings and that sort of thing. What really stood out to me in this book, the thing that I always think about when this book comes to mind is one of the is the grand gesture from Rafe and this might be a spoiler alert so if you haven't read it and you're going to read it you might want to cover your ears for a minute but one of the things he tries to do is read poetry to Reagan and the scene is really fun to read about this guy who's really rough around the edges trying to show his more softer, sensitive side to her by reading poetry. And in fact, Reagan actually, in sort of a type of Grease, you know, the movie Grease, when Sandy uh, goes from clean-cut girl and kind of dresses to fit more his uh, greaser persona, Reagan at one point does actually do something similar to that. And that scene is kind of hilarious as well. So th those are the two bits when I think of this book that really uh, stick out to me and one that I really enjoyed. Like I said, Rafe um, has three other brothers. They all have a book. And in fact, I think you can get uh, the entire series in two books. So I think like Rafe and his brother 
are now um, bundled into one book and then the other two brothers are bundled in another book and they might even be in your bookstore because of course her stuff is frequently re-released and it seems to me I recently saw that the McCabe brothers were in the bookstore again. I remember after reading The Return of Rafe McCabe and thinking, I like this, I want to read more, having a hard time finding the other brothers' books. But again, today, this was back before Amazon was a big thing, uh, and it was harder to find out of print or books that weren't actually on the bookshelf. And of course, with uh, all her re-releases, again, they're much easier to find. The second book on my list is The Reef, which came out in 1999. This is a standalone romantic suspense that involves the search for um, treasure on a shipwreck, which I, I like kind of adventure stories. And I, I wish there were more of those. I have one in my Delacour. I have a novella. It's free. It's called Worth the Risk. And I just think those types of things are fun and there there may be more out there and I just don't know about them, haven't come across them. There's a lot of romantic suspense, but I, I do like sort of the adventure, a search for treasure, a quest, things like that. And that's what this book is. Tate and her father are looking for an amulet that, uh, you know, is somewhere out in the ocean. And in order to find this, they have to partner up with Buck and Matthew Lassiter to help them find it. And it's a reluctant partnership. It's it's not an easygoing thing. They They don't really trust each other very much. But of course, in true romance fiction fashion, Tate and Matthew end up falling in love, even though, you know, there's some secrets and they're, you know, looking for this treasure that will be worth a lot of money. And um, again, this was a book that I can't, I read a long time ago. There's a lot of specific details I can't remember. I just remember after reading it being hooked more into romance fiction because up until that time I mostly just read Mystery or Stephen King and so uh, The Return of Rafe McCade and The Reef were really the two books where I thought hey you know what I think I like romance fiction and encouraged me to write more and again uh, what I did enjoy The Reef is is there is there is suspense going on I mean because whenever there's money and treasure involved you know, there's always someone, some bad guy lurking around. But I also liked kind of the adventure of it in terms of, you know, scuba diving and looking for a lost treasure. So that's The Reef. The next book on my list is Midnight Bayou. It came out in 2002. And this has a paranormal element and it is a standalone in Nora Roberts, uh, just like The Reef was. This book also came up on the paranormal uh, episode that I did around Halloween. And if you didn't listen to that episode and would be interested in it, just go to swornworthyhea.com, click on the illicit liaisons tab at the top of the page, and you'll be able to find this episode there. And this book was actually made into a movie which starred uh, Jerry O'Connell and Lauren Stamile and even Faye Dunaway was in this movie. Uh, I really enjoyed this book, but 
what really grabbed me was the twist at the end, which I cannot tell you about because that was the fun part of this book. But basically, Declan, um, as a young man, uh, and he's in college and he's out uh, with his friends and they're drinking and doing what young college boys do, they come upon this old mansion. And from that time, he's he's obsessed with it. And so then at the start of the book, he's bought this mansion because it, he, it just has called to him and he is restoring it. And as he's restoring it, he is seeing visions of some of the, the past horrors and terrors and terrible things um, that happened in this house. The love interest is Angelina, who's kind of this feisty, outgoing bar owner. And all this is taking place in Louisiana. She has a connection to this house as well. And so it's one of these books where there's this past story, and then there's the current story, and then how the two of them come together in in current times. And again, I don't want to say too much because the 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 kind of twist or the resolution or the the revelation at the end um, is just quite delicious. I I really that was the thing that really made this book to me. If you go on Amazon and you read reviews, there's some people who feel like it's kind of slow. There's some people who feel like um, Declan is a little bit um, nutty in his being drawn to Angelina, but I kind of read it in the same way he's drawn to the house. And that when you realize what is going on, um, you kind of understand the pull that he has to the house and to Angelina. I didn't, I don't remember him being necessarily stalkerish or something again, that would be considered over the top today, although it could be wrong because it's been a while since since I've read it. But like I said, you know, some of these books may have things in them that make them kind of dated. But I really did enjoy this book. Like I said, it was made into a movie. And I think I enjoyed the movie. I mean, I don't remember not enjoying it. And and I, most of the movies that have been made out of Nora Roberts books, I, I haven't I haven't loved very much. I really wish something like HBO or Showtime or, you know, one of the those uh, networks that are taking things like Game of Thrones and True Blood and Outlander and turning them into a series. I wish one of them would get a hold of maybe her in death series as J.D. Robb and turn those into a show, you know, someone that could really uh, do it right. But I, I don't remember thinking Midnight Bayou the movie was bad, but I definitely recommend reading the book. I really enjoyed the paranormal element and then that crazy twist at the end. I I enjoyed as well. Okay, next book on my list is Sea Swept, which came out in 1998. And again, is another book about four brothers. So if that's a trope that you like, this might be one of them. Sea Swept also was a book that around the time it came out, I, I don't want to say it had a lot of buzz, but a lot of Nora fans, you know, by then she'd written a ton of books, over a hundred. But this was a book where people really liked this book and and the series overall. Again, I I liked the first book and the other books were okay, but the first book I felt was the the best. And when these books came out, it actually came out as three books. 
in the series. It's three uh, brothers, or they're act. They were actually foster brothers, so they're not biologically brothers, but they they are like brothers in that they were raised by the same foster family. And then eventually they have a much younger brother and his story eventually is told in a fourth book. These books, the the backstory of these books are that uh, Ray Quinn and his wife took in these three troubled teens, uh, Cameron, Philip and Ethan, and and raised them. And, you know, they they leave home and... um, kind of do their thing. Uh, they live on the Chesapeake Bay. So Ethan becomes a fisherman. Philip, I believe, becomes a lawyer. And Cam, in my mind, is a race car driver. But when you re- read the blurb on Amazon, it says he raced boats. So maybe I'm remembering that wrong. I don't know. But in my mind, he was a race car driver. Ray, at the start of the book, has taken his his wife has died. He's taken in a, another troubled youth, a, a 10-year-old a child named Seth. And a Ray is in a car accident. And so Cam is called back. I think he's in Europe because it seems to me he just finished a race car race. And his other two brothers, Philip and Ethan, are still living in this area. But Cam is called back because Ray is in the serious accident. And before Ray dies, he tells the these his foster sons that he wants them to take care of this kid. So these young men set out to do that. And this first book, Sea Swept, is Cam's story where they are attempting to take care of of young Seth, who has some, some troubles. Of all the brothers, Cam obviously is the one who's making the biggest change because he's been off traveling the world and racing cars, whereas other two brothers have pretty much been there. But because of the nature of all their works, he's the one that actually ends up spending most of the time at home raising this kid. So he sort of becomes kind of this house dad to Seth. The love interest is the social worker that comes in to make a decision about whether or not this kid can stay with them. Now, of course, in real life, there's some ethical issues about the social worker becoming involved with one of the potential caregivers of this boy. But if you can kind of put that aside, she is a strong woman. As a social worker myself in the past, I have found that social workers are generally depicted pretty negatively in the media, you know, in movies and in books, they're often these old biddies who don't like people, which is not how social work is. You shouldn't be a social worker if you don't like people. They tend to, in the movies and on TV, they just tend to think everybody's bad and wrong and and all this kind of stuff. And that's just not the case. And in the case of Anna in this book, you know, she, she is not only, you know, trying to help this kid and, and make sure he's in the best placement possible, but she helps these, these men who had very troubled lives, had, had a lot of difficulties before Ray and his wife had taken them in. And while they ended up having a fairly uh, solid place there where they were able to go out into the world to be successful, they they still had some wounds to work through. And, and she is helpful in that. 
So that is the first book of the Sea Swept series. And I, you know, I I did enjoy that book. The the other two brothers, Philip and Ethan, come right after that. So you could read those. And then I think it was a few years later when she came out with Seth's book. He was a 10-year-old at when these other books came out, but then eventually he grows up and he he has a book of his own. So again, that's a Sea Swept series. The final book that I want to share with you today actually isn't a Nora Roberts book. It's one of her J.D. Robb books. And she's so prolific. She She's writing all the time that it was recommended. I can't remember if it was her agent or maybe her publisher suggested she write under a pen name because, you know, they needed to share the space with other authors, which doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if it's still her, but I don't know. I guess they didn't want to saturate the market too much with Nora Roberts. So they suggested she had a pen name. And she said, I will do that. But I want to write this other kind of futuristic series that um, is a about a detective. And initially, I do believe the end of series was meant to be a three book series. The first one came out, Naked and Death came out in 1995. And this year, in 2020, I read the 50th book in that series. So not a three book series, it's now 50 books. And I don't believe that 50 includes the short stories that have ended up in a couple of anthologies. And and this is the only series she writes under J.D. Robb. So there's, there's no other books under that name. So basically, the book I would recommend would be the first book in that series called Naked and Death. Again, it came out in 1995. And in 1995, she has set this book to take place in 2058. So it's the future and things are different, but it's not so different that you feel like you're living in sci-fi land. Um, And of course, murder still takes place even in 2058. And our female protagonist is Eve Dallas, who is a New York police lieutenant who is looking for a killer. She's about 29 years old. She's been on the force for about 10 years. And she has a very small world in terms of people she trusts or allows to be close to her. One is her, um, had been her lieutenant as she was coming up, uh, Feeney. And then she's got a good friend who she arrested as a grifter who, who has, you know, made an attempt and has gone straight, um, Mavis. And at the beginning of the book, they find a woman who is what's called a licensed companion. Um, prostitution is legal and regulated and they're called licensed companions who has been shot. And this is unusual because uh, guns are not prevalent anymore. Uh, Collectors have them. So this is the first murder Eve has seen that has involved a gun. And she is hunting down the killer. And it puts her in the path of an Irish billionaire who's living in New York who goes by one name, Rourke. He hasn't, um, and it turns out Rourke is probably his last name. Because in later books, we learn his father's name is Patrick Rourke or O'Rourke or something like that. But he goes by one name and he has a very shady, shady past. Uh, but Rourke is quite a guy 
and even um, a kick-ass cop who is extremely closed off, is not prone to emotional or attachments or anything like that. She has a hard time uh, resisting him. The thing about the in-death books is that they are very gritty. And as you go on and learn about Eve, she has a heinous, heinous childhood. Um, and Rourke's isn't much better. And the murders uh, and the some of the the things our murderers do are really depraved and heinous and horrible. So if you're thinking you're going to read some sort of regular Nora Roberts romance, you're not. So I want to warn you of that in advance. These are very gritty. There is swearing and some really, really difficult stuff to read. But I do enjoy Eve, particularly watching her arc through the books in terms of her learning to trust Rourke, uh, learning to trust in love. Her circle of people in her life begins to expand. Uh, there is some humor in the books, but again, they are also very, very gritty and, and violent. So there's that. They are basically, I guess you might consider police procedurals. Sometimes we do know who the bad guy is. So when it comes to a mystery, it isn't always like in a cozy trying to figure out who the bad guy is, or although sometimes there's some aspect to that. It's mostly about Eve solving crime and her relationship with Rourke. My favorite books in all the series do have are heavily involving of Rourke. The last one that came out this year did involve his past. And, and, you know, even Rourke, there's a lot of things he doesn't even know about his history that is revealed through the series. Um, and this last book did involve uh, some things about him and his past and his family. Those are all my favorites. And it's not to say he's not in all of them, because he is. He he does um, help her uh, through them. But when, when it involves his circle, or him personally, I enjoy them the most. One of the fun things about this series is that Eve, in order to cope with her upbringing, she very much likes order and rules and it's what makes her a good cop. She tends to stick by the book um, because it just, for a chaotic childhood that she had, brings order. Rourke had a similarly really seriously violent and dysfunctional past, uh, but he kind of went the other way. And he his background is he was a criminal. Kind of think of him kind of like Han Solo, you know, the 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 guy, the criminal that was a, a good guy at heart. But from that, he was able to build a legitimate empire. And when he meets Eve, he still has his fingers in a few illegal pots, mostly because the thrill of the thrill of it, the fun of it. But because of her and knowing uh, that that would be a problem for her, he eventually gets out of all of that. But it's still, he is willing to operate in the gray area. And, you know, Eve being such a stickler for the rules, that's hard for her. And it's it's fun to see them navigate their relationship where he, you know, he is pulled more into, you know, operating by the rules, but she her recognizing that sometimes maybe going into the gray 
um, is important if you're going to be finding a murderer. Naked and Death is the first book in the series. The first three in that series are, are, I really enjoy them all. By the third book, they are married. So if you're like me and you like romances involving a couple, this would be one of them. But again, they're quite gritty, quite violent. There's some really heinous acts that occur in them. So if you're a don't want to read that, then these would not be the books for you. So that is my list of five Nora Roberts books. And again, there's over 200 of them. And uh, there's plenty of other that I've read. Some of them, you know, many of them I really enjoyed. But I chose these because either they were the ones that really hooked me into reading romance and why I kept reading them, or because there was just something special about them that you know, if I were to come up with a list of Nora Roberts books, these are the sort of the ones that come to the top uh, of my memory, because there was something about them that I really enjoyed. But certainly, um, there's plenty out there that were also very good. Matter of fact, I think I mentioned the McGregor's in my episode on political romances. Today, I do not read all of Nora Roberts' books. There's so many great books out there and it's hard to keep track. I will read her romantic suspenses. I I generally enjoy those or maybe if there's a little bit of paranormal. But I think The Bride Quartet was the last series of hers that I read that was just straight contemporary romance. And they were all right, but the standalone romantic suspenses I tend to enjoy much more, or if there's a little bit of paranormal. Now she does have, I did see a brand new book on the shelf when I was in the bookstore the other day that looked like it involved some sort of fantasy um, and modern time that looked really intriguing. And then, of course, she has an um, another series, and I think three books are out of that. I think that one of them's called like Year One or something like that. I have not read those either. And if you read them and recommend them, let me know, and I will check them out. Um, but today, there's just so many other great books. You know, I want to make sure I I read some other people besides just her. But if if someone were to ask me what are some Nora Roberts books, particularly old school Nora Roberts books, those are the ones that I would recommend. If you're curious to learning more about Nora, um, of course, you can go to her website, NoraRoberts.com. She's fairly active on social media and she has a blog. She, what's fun about Nora, she pulls no punches. She tells it like it is. So if there's things going on in the publishing world or writing world, it's interesting. You know, she's, she's, uh, she's going to tell it like it is from her point of view. Uh, thoughtco.com actually has an extensive year-by-year list of her releases. If you just wanted to go and see how prolific she is, many of those years, she has eight or nine books uh, that come out. And I will have a link to that, plus a link to all these books over at swoonworthyhea.com. Click on the illicit liaisons tab there and find this podcast episode. And again, I will have um, this thought co list as well as information about all these books that are there. I'm curious if you are a Nora Roberts reader, are there other books that you loved by her that um, I didn't mention? 
I would love to hear about them, especially if I haven't read them. I, I've read a great deal of them, but some of her more recent ones, I haven't. Um, so if you have and you recommend any of them, uh, please let me know. Again, you can go to swoonworthyhea.com, click on the illicit liaisons tab, find this podcast, and you can let me know in the comments below. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening in and sticking with me, even though I've missed a couple of weeks. I I am sorry about that. But again, I hope that's not going to happen. I think things have settled down um, in terms of what's been going on in my family. So it should be smooth sailing. Uh, from now on. I do have uh, new episodes uh, planned and coming up. I want to do one on holiday romances since we are in December of 2020. And if you have a favorite holiday romance, um, I want to hear about it. So you can contact me through swoonworthyhea.com or we're over at Facebook um, and on Instagram. You can let me know through there as well. I because I'm trying to compile a list of great holiday romances. So that's it for the show. If you are enjoying this podcast, I hope that you will follow us or subscribe to us through your favorite podcast service. If you could leave uh, a rating and a review, would love that as well. Until next time, this is Jenna Hart from swoonworthyhea.com wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.